And that is a big trunk. It holds a tuba, suitcase, a dead dog, and a garment bag almost perfectly. Yeah, that's just what they used to say in the ads. Come on, Crabtree, I know you're holding. Whose tuba is that anyway? Miss Sloviak's. Can I ask you something about her? Yes, she is. So is your friend Crabtree, is he... Is he gay? Most of the time he is James. Some of the time he isn't. What do we have here? This looks like... That's our old friend, Mr. Codeine. Let you take the old pinch out of the ankle. Want one? No, thanks. I'm fine without them. Right. That's why you're standing in the Chancellor's backyard spinning that cap gun of yours. You're fine. Yeah, you're just as fit as a fucking fiddle. and much cheerier than the last time we spoke the uh, existential yeah. dread has lifted slightly this is uh why projecting film is the the top movie podcast <laughs> out there because uh well at least in the michael deniston verse because pretty much everything else i record in chunks record ahead <laughs> and so you're gonna hear on those shows which you probably shouldn't listen to uh an increasingly pissy version of me as i'm like well i hope this country got its act together two months ago but i don't know right now um but yeah this one at least is up to date in that regard uh if not in our film selections with a february 2000 release of wonder boys as as we start searching through and getting to the bottom of the toby Maguire, katie holmes universe so do, do, do they have any more on that, or do we get to the bottom? Of I, I hope point? this is enough. I, I was just uh, kind of pleasantly surprised because uh, Wonder Boys came up, uh, I guess, naturally uh, last week mm -hmm. when you misremembered uh, poor Kevin <laughs> Klein <laughs> being in the Michael Douglas shoes here. Uh, I'm trying to imagine Kevin Klein in like disclosure. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I think that would uh, it'd be a much different film. Um, probably one that I would be interested in seeing, though, because the disclosure as it exists, no interest in revisiting. That. You know, as often as I bring up disclosure, and I think <laughs> I sent you a, uh, a DM <laughs> recently. Gotten to four ninety nine. Four ninety nine <laughs> hit my my price point in the uh, you know the, the COVID recession. Uh, Got to be stingy, which I'm like that anyway. But uh, <laughs> as excited as I was to finally hit that price point, have I bothered to watch it yet? No, is the answer not. to that question. Um, Maybe maybe I will soon, but does does it just feel good to know that it's there when that moment hits that it'll just be immediately accessible? There there is something to that because I was actually uh, boring my wife as I often do. Um, <laughs> I guess fortunately for her, it wasn't in like uh, the bedroom where she actually has to be bored. <laughs> Both, you know, on an intellectual and physical level with what I'm up to. Uh, this way she can still be on her phone, mostly ignoring me. But well, that, that's not while you're in bed. That's what mine does to get through it. So oh, it brings out the, the phone. I hope it's not a, yeah. uh, a large phablet style phone that could, you know, concuss you in case <laughs> she dropped it. Um, we were talking about the uh, Criterion collection because it's one thing. Sure. Um, that would obviously bore uh, my wife. 
but I was I was sort of lamenting that you know they they put so much thought and care and we probably put way too much thought in the presentation of them because that's kind of what they're meant for is the aesthetic yeah. of having them uh, on your shelf. And uh, I was you know I was just saying like. I, if I'm honest with myself, like there's currently a Criterion Collection sale going on. I, I don't know if it's Barnes Noble, but uh, it is. Yeah. Over the last uh, few years, I've not really participated in in those. Uh, unlike the, I think Captain America shirts we talked about last week. <laughs> these make pretty nice Christmas gifts, even though for the most part, a lot of my collection remains sealed and unopened because I could probably watch it on an app somewhere. Um, yeah. So we were talking about that uh in regards to like sort of the things that we that we keep but we in some ways it's like a girlfriend that we've not yet broken up with like you can feel yourself <laughs> kind of moving away from moving yeah. on and i i felt like with the uh the ice storm in particular like when we talked about last week um <laughs> after it's having time to let go of that one <laughs> well, i i don't have that one um, but it would be one that would bring into question <laughs> as far as like, <laughs> do I, do I need it? You can dress it up, but is it actually mm -hmm. for me? Like if I was going to condense this down, well, uh, what would my shelf look like? Yeah, there's pro every once in a while I go through that and I, I look at it and say, you know, I could easily trim this down to, I don't know, 500, have, mm -hmm. you know, go 365, get, give yourself one movie a day for a year and mm. you can only buy one if you're cycling one out because um, there's stuff in there that I'll literally never watch again. I don't know which one those are, uh, but there's a couple of them. I have a pretty good feeling that I'm not going to crack open SWAT with Colin Farrell anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, and here I, I am saying, uh, baby, don't ever take SWAT from me like that one. <laughs> <laughs> LL Cool J, Colin Farrell, that stays on the fucking shelf. But I will say this, um, you know, Wonder Boys, just to kind of talk about the film at hand for a moment, just it's a moment. something that could use the Criterion treatment in that it has one of the most unforgivably bad posters of any I'm film. I'm staring at it discussed. right now. Um, it's so bad. Do you know who um, uh, Jeff Wells is? Uh, I guess you would call him like an old school movie blogger because he was one of the, like the sort of early adopters of the internet. I, I think he wrote for Entertainment Weekly, like we're talking like in the early 90s, maybe Premiere Magazine. Okay. Um, he's only known now on film Twitter as like uh, like like a Gran Torino-like Eastwood character. Actually, that's probably doing him more of a service. That's making him sound cooler than what he is. But he's sort of like really uh, caped, uh, cloaked himself in the sort of – uh, I'm too cool for this now school. Like I'm from a different generation when really he's just a film dork. Who's older. It's just a way of saying <laughs> that I'm older than all of you. Uh, not necessarily yeah. cooler. I have a memory and I, I, this could be misplaced, but it seems like something that Jeff Wells would write because he also, you know, and this is just a stone's throw from the younger film Twitter crowd, uh, which they would hate to hear. He always, in my memory of him, and probably still to this day, uh, had a distinct problem with being unable to imagine that the things that he's into, other people could not be into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I remember him writing about Wonder Boys because anything that is about an older 
white dude who in some regard is misunderstood and has a fairly active sex life. I remember this Jeff Wells cat being like, this is me, baby. This is what I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> but he never really got so, the pathetic angle. He just like, you could tell he just like, he liked the idea that Michael Douglas, that Katie Holmes was coming on to him and that he was getting uh, Francis McDormand pregnant and that he was a misunderstood <laughs> genius. Like all of these things, he's not looking at them as uh, problem areas like you know that the pregnancy in this film was not like something cool but i'm telling you jeff wells was looking at it, it was like see evidence that he fucked her <laughs> <laughs> there's so many reasons that i think this film has always i've always been a little bit uncomfortable with it um and hmm. maybe that's part of it always i because it's something that i think it it shot well it the acting is fine the writing is serviceable um, but it's just there's <laughs> something is, about this movie that drives me nuts. This What's is that? uh is it uh Michael uh Chabon? Is that how you say his last yeah, name? The, the, yeah, yeah. He he was the uh the guy who wrote the novel, right? And I I believe didn't he win a Pulitzer for the Academy uh, Award? <laughs> and did he get I thought, an Academy Award for the for the screenplay, I thought. And I, I, I thought it was the um the uh the, the like sort of epic comic book novel he did that was kind of loosely based off of the guys who created superman uh like sort of a fictionalized version of it the adventures of uh cavalier and clay i believe I n- i've never read this but that's that's the one i remember him um okay around the turn of the century i believe that that was like his his epic uh wonder boys actually uh, you know i haven't i have read his stuff but i've i've maybe this speaks more to me uh the <laughs> novellas <laughs> the small sure. stuff. No, 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 no. That, that's yeah. If, if I'm discovering an author and I find out they have a collection of short stories, that's what I'm opening up first. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, like uh, consider the lobster, not infinite jest. You know, we're not. Oh dear God! Let's slow it, you know that, that that okay. That's kind of what I had in mind um, when you were talking about this Jeff Wells character. That this is the guy that would have infinite jest on his coffee table at all times. Is that the type of guy that you were thinking? I, he's not even quite that uh, high minded. He, he had something, there was a tweet going around. He was just, uh, this morning, uh, he was talking shit about Alex Trebek of all people. Uh, Jesus. He, the man has just passed and it seemed to bother him that people, uh, looked upon jeopardy as a touchstone. Like that, that was like, uh, something only people who shopped at Walmart would like look at Jeopardy with like some sort of reverence, and it's like, <laughs> damn, dude, a little so, a little tact did, here. Did he write for Entertainment Weekly or Premier Magazine? Which of those uh, high-minded, thoughtful <laughs> entertainment magazines <laughs> did he write about? Was it his top ten, you know, Robert Downey Jr. films of the nineties? Did he write about? Was that the one that really? Okay, got it. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, uh, I what, hate those people. What he's most famous for is uh, asking for uh, James Mangold in a private email uh, from Three Ten to Yuma, the Western. There was an actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did a nude scene, I think, for the first time, and he was he sent a private email to James Mangold, who you know, um, I often think like, okay, there's no way Chris or I should have these sort of contacts. We like you see the the productions we put on. There's a reason, right? But then I hear this story about Jeff Wells. Uh, actually, I think I just read it because he just like openly admitted, like, Can you believe this shit. I asked this director if he could send me some behind the scenes shots. You know, some of the nudes that didn't make the movies, and he called me a pervert. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, that's right, what happens. Rightfully so. What I'm saying, Chris, is projecting film not that bad because I, I think you or I would have the decency not to ask a director if there's anything you know 
with an iPhone that was uh, left on the cutting room floor that someone you know snuck away with. In fact, I can we can both verify that with things that have come up where if it ever gets uncomfortable, but it just I don't even want to be near that. Let's just move on. Can we just do this interview? I'm telling you, no. There, there's there there was some podcast gold that has to go to our graves, (laughs) but it was enough for me to live through it. (laughs) Well, maybe when this specific uh, unnamed person passes, then that'll be the day that we can release it. Yeah, it'll be our episode. We release it, uh, and then it can be our, like, let's shit on Alex Trebek episode as well. <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah, I Wonder Boys, like, my, the reason I brought up Jeff Wells was he, I remember him being a big fan of this, uh, mm-hmm. and him being appalled that America did not back this movie. Now, it, um, I, I forgot, actually, I'm just looking at Wikipedia, that it actually had a re-release in November of 2000, I guess to reframe it for Oscar season. Um, mm-hmm. But this does like when something comes out uh, in February, it seems like something that the studio said that this is uh, to use a sports analogy. This is some sort of tweener. And I think that's what I like the most and the least about it, Chris, like, cause it feels like high, not high minded enough, but it's like the, you know, it's an adult uh, dramedy. So that means we've got to get awards attention because otherwise what's sort it for? Of? But it's not, it's not really high minded though. I was going to say, there's it, a lot of gags. Yeah. There, there's a lot of bits. Like, I, I think of the, I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in here. Um, I, as far as like movies, not dating well, all the trans stuff in here. I don't know if they would feel this movie wouldn't get released how it is today. I'm fairly certain people would be pissed off at this film. Yeah, I didn't have as much of a problem with that um, as I think just the There's general slightly racist undertones as well. I was going to say the general uh, the gay guy has to be like extremely oversexed sort of yeah, thing. That's that too. Yeah, that's that's the thing because that's the 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 sort of through line of his his character and how he he's led to this now uh, college student that he can he can bring to bed with him and also like you know it it seems to to work uh with this like agreement that after he beds him then he'll make his career uh post Harvey Weinstein <laughs> not totally comfortable it, you know the sad thing here is that uh Michael Douglas as the uh the one that is pushing away Katie Holmes with her hot for teacher thing thank god for that and <laughs> through all of his yeah problems and him being um sort of perpetually stoned and adrift as he's facing rider's block i'm glad that they don't even even the film nor the character seems to ever entertain the notion of sleeping with her in fact when he's actually aware of it it seems to scare him but for the most part he's just generally oblivious to her and she's just one more uh one more person sort of asking uh for his time that seems to seems to bother him uh, that, that's one thing that Jeff Wells probably would ha- probably hated. It might be the one thing if I found his review, uh, he probably would not like how uh, singularly focused uh, Douglas is on maintaining the relationship with Francis McDormand when Katie Holmes is you know try- is actually in his bed. Yeah, it's um, I, I I can give the film that. Um, I'll give it that much. I only but say high minded, Chris, because like, I, I realize like when you, when you have like uh, a dog, a blind dog being shot. 
Uh, and and Douglas at one point in the film decides to yeah, put it in a kid's bed as <laughs> there's there's it's it's almost it's weekend at Bernie's with a dog. I yeah, mean, that's like there's a lot of gags built around where they're placing a dead dog in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I guess it would have. It's kind of fun that a movie like this got that kind of recognition because of how absurd this movie is in a lot of ways. So that people it really did connect with a lot of the critics. Um, but this is one of the times that I think maybe the American people got it right, that they looked at this and they're like, they, they didn't really buy in in the way that uh, Jeff thought they should. And, and I think I'm with the, uh, I'm with the knuckle draggers on this one. Do you like that they attempted to fix the poster? Cause the, uh, the second poster is also on Wikipedia uh, is not, Douglas look old man Douglas looking over his like old man glasses with this like angelic like terrible font this uh, you talked about last week Toby Maguire having a punchable face that is a punchable poster I I can't imagine you know I I can you know one of the things that I do miss about being able to go to a multiplex was either before or after the film if I got there a little bit early just walking around and looking at the posters and seeing this poster in a lobby i couldn't imagine who would see that and go yep that's the one that that's the one i'm i'm, get, I'm getting the sitter i'm you know getting the wife we're gonna go out to dinner and we're gonna watch wonder boys and it has this thing that i really hate that's a pet peeve of mine where they say the title of the movie in the movie um <laughs> i have to admit <laughs> i'm kind of a fan of that like i'm a- <laughs> I'm a fan of the, the title just drop. In case you, just in case you didn't get it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap this up in a neat little bow. I just watched, uh, well, actually rewatched one, um, uh, a fairly forgettable baseball movie with also Clint Eastwood. Uh, I mentioned, you know, Grand Torino there um, called Trouble with the Curve. And they wait, much like Wonder Boys, until like the next to last scene in the film. But Clint, Stares at his nemesis, uh, played by Matthew Lillard, who I guess you talk about punchable face. He's he's always <laughs> you're always going to root against him. Um, <laughs> sorry, SLC Punk, but he he is he has vanquished his his foe. He has chosen the better baseball player, and he turns to Matthew Lillard and says. Now that's what we call trouble with the curve, and it's like it is so great, Chris. <sighs> it is so good. Can you? Can, is that the most egregious example, though? Are there any that you can think of that were even too much for you? I don't know if it's ever too much. Um, I, I think it's worse than something like Wonder Boys, where I generally don't find it as much of a guilty pleasure movie. I do like the arc that the Douglas character's on. Like, I like the. You know, I, I feel like oftentimes when artists make films about how hard it is to be an artist, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm already have my back up a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, come home from a, a job that is fairly thankless to me. I don't have much interest in it. And I come to the movies because I think like this, this would be the greatest job in the world in some regard, some form or fashion to work in the movie verse. I don't care what you're doing. And while this isn't a film about films, which for the most part, I think tend to be pretty fucking terrible unless you're what, like the player the player. Yeah. Okay. Both of us. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and I'm sure some others, but the player for sure. Um, but I, I actually like how Curtis Hansen and company here treat the Douglas character and that most of his problems are of his own making. 
everyone is incredibly supportive of her. Like there's no real conflict as far as barrier to doing the work other than himself. And I don't feel like the film lets him off the hook. I also don't feel like he's a totally unlikable character to be around. He's not just a total asshole. He's not like a, a maniac. It's just, he's legitimately concerned that maybe he did just have one good idea. He had one good story in him and he doesn't really know where to go from there, which allows me to probably absolve the film of some of its quirkiness that I think bothered you because it's almost pointing out to the guy. It's like, dude, why don't you just write about this fucking weekend? (laughs) Guy (laughs) planting his ass on the hood of your car and then taking a like theatrical bow and you've got this bar- pregnant bartender woman, sweet lady, who you give this jacket that Marilyn Monroe once wore. And it's like, you, you've got it there. Just just write this shit here. Now, maybe don't write about your uh, literary agent uh, fucking one of your students uh, and you know then deciding to publish and maybe leave that out. But the rest of it uh, is fine. Actually, I would think if you live this, I guess to suit your sensibilities, you would actually try to de-quirk it in some way you'd have to remove some of that material because it sounds well, too false or, or you would just have to really lean into it um and make it that and kind of live in that world it's when you go too back and forth that it just doesn't really connect for me or with me so do you think it's um, a few stops away from like coen brothers level of embracing that tonally yeah exactly if you would have taken this material and let somebody like the coen brothers run with it I think that, well, like you could say that about anything, but um, really, it, what's the worst Coen Brothers? Still, off the top of your head, uh, late Lady Killers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I'd, that time period somewhere in the two thousands. <laughs> but uh, honestly, that that's like if that wasn't them, though, I wouldn't have. I would never think of that as a bad movie. It would have just been a kind of forgettable. You know, remember that time that Tom Hanks did that weird thing and that, that you just wouldn't think about it again. They have multiple films that are pretty much perfect. So that that's they have a high bar that they've set for themselves. One thing I always respect about them is they don't they've made some genuine classics and yet that doesn't stop them from making <laughs> the Hudsucker proxy. You know, they're they're not uh well, they're I, not just I, running the ball, they're not playing it safe. You, you, I like the Raising Arizona, Hudsucker Proxy, Hail Caesar side of their filmography quite a bit. Those are the ones I tend to burn after reading. Those are the ones I go back to more. I remember you suggesting to me we do like a series on George Clooney is an idiot, where and he's yeah. consistently an idiot in his <laughs> films, and I come back to you, and I'm like, no, uh, Katie Holmes around Thanksgiving. That's those. That's the ticket. That's what we're doing. Is there a third? Katie there are four home for dinner. There Where's are four. four? Uh, what there's are the other ones. So the next one would be uh, pieces of <laughs> April, which is about her cooking. I've never seen that. Uh, I just recently watched it. <laughs> can, can our spinoff be like, let's follow Jane Adams for a little while. You're talking about the cute pregnant waitress. Let's, let's go mm. into happiness after this. She, um, she, she reminds, well, actually <sighs> happiness, would not be uh, a holiday season movie and my wife would kill you, Chris. She always looks forward to when I record with you because they're, you know, brevity is our, our bread and butter. You know, we, we can knock them out and by knock them out, I mean, barely talk about the movie that we've decided on <laughs> that week. Um, but if I throw on happiness and then I'm forced to watching it work, 
Um, you, you talked about me really enjoying having access to everything, which I do. I enjoy the, mm -hmm. the digital copy. I can be at work and I'm be like, all right, time to pull up this movie. Happiness would not be one of them. And I'm talking about with the, 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 uh, earbuds in. No, no, man. Cause I'd be afraid just someone would walk past even without the sound. They would just see sweaty Philip Seymour Hoffman and they would just know I'm watching something disgusting. Can't do that. I've got another one yeah. that I'm supposed to watch for a podcast, uh, a De Palma movie. Can't do that either. Which one? Oh, no, no, no. Doesn't matter, no, but... Right. Well, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, Femme Fatale, which I've never seen. You don't need to. Well, I've, I spent five bucks on it, so I'm going to now. I'm, <laughs> I'm pot committed. <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> I've also got Disclosure on my phone just for that time. Just for like, I, I want Disclosure to be in my pocket at all times. Just throw on body double and you can lie. Got that one too. Read the Wikipedia. Throw it on, you know, read the Wikipedia. You'll be covered. You and I you did an episode on body double. And mm -hmm. I think it was, I think when we got to like the chainsaw, we were like, well then <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't matter. Anything can happen I just, here. I just remember the guy on the cordless phone in the beginning of it. That's the thing that always sticks out in that movie for me. Uh, Melanie Griffith for me. <laughs> <laughs> Am I closer to Jeff Wells' territory than I'd like to admit? I yeah, that might be why you push it back so hard against another him. another Jeff Wellsism. I remember uh, he fucking loved Larry Crown, Tom Hanks movie from like six years ago with Julia Roberts. The one with him on a scooter. That's why he loved it. That's the worst part. He loved it because he had a scooter, and he thought Larry, <laughs> Larry Crown was going to make being on a scooter cool. And it's like, if you huh. just, if you're on a scooter, like many things, like what we do here, like podcasting or playing Dungeons and Dragons, just, own, just own it. It's own the fact cool. that, own the fact that it will never be cool, but it's just something you enjoy. So if you, you know, happen to, to <laughs> traverse around LA on a scooter, <laughs> you've got you know, balls at least. If you're on a college campus, okay, you get a pass. That makes sense. I can understand why you would do that. A major city that, isn't as spread out and fast as Los Angeles is. That is the worst form of transportation for LA that you could possibly come up with. Uh, does I, hacky sack also apply? Cause I don't feel like even on a college campus that is allowed anymore. It's, it's been a long time since I've set foot on a college campus. And, I thought you were about um, to say hacky sack and I'm like, Oh God, no, 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 no. My foot ended up underneath several hacky sacks when I was there. Um, and it wasn't <laughs> cool even then. So <laughs> just, uh, it's like, uh, creating fire for me. Who was the first person with a damn hacky sack? It's like, <laughs> all right, we're going to kick this around because <laughs> you had to find three or four other like-minded souls. And that to me is, <sighs> Almost like uh, creationism. I just I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm astounded that it ever happened. <laughs> we ever got to that point. So is it kind of like a chicken and the egg thing with pot and a hacky sack? Like which came first? Did mm. the hacky sack um, that level of boredom where you're kicking around that little thing inspired people to start smoking random things, or was it the idea that you were smoking that or eating that that led you to start kicking around this tiny? Ball. I mean, you're right. They they are a, a classic, I guess, two hander of um, I'm not going to get laid anytime soon. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> if I was going to write a biography about my college years, 
I think that would be a good name for it. <laughs> I'm not going to get laid anytime soon. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. We did uh, Wonder Boys on the on the Grand Gesture when I uh, used to do that show with Dave. And I was like, wow, this is <laughs> fucking terrible. And the only thing that uh, I believe will uh that has to be blame here is my co-host so i've got to get rid of dave and uh maybe then i can save this but we did wonder boys um and i don't really remember why but uh the guest we had runs uh some sort of literary podcast I, i'm not um you know talking out of school here saying that they are attempting to do like a humorous version of it so sort of a uh a takedown of that particular scene and so she had uh, you know, her, her experience was being around, uh, these types in college. So she, she really focused on that. Uh, it really, it's the introductory scene, I believe where <laughs> this artist played by Spider-Man, um, his peers, <laughs> other than sweet natured Katie Holmes, everyone else attacks him, uh, for having to me kind of strangely, the audacity to write something depressing in a college creative writing <laughs> class. Isn't that all? Yeah. college writing at that point does anybody like in fact i think that the the opposite if they were being more honest would have been true everybody's nihilistic when they're in college that's yeah. all you have and so if somebody had optimism they would have been generally even in society as a whole when you're older you're seen as the idiot you're the outcast if you're optimistic about the future so this guy that yeah the that you're absolutely right that didn't even strike me but that's not true that does not feel ring true at all i remember our uh, she our guest i think someone agreed with me in that really more often than not uh people that are in these type of classes and are really i guess seriously trying to pursue uh writing uh or being around the written word in some capacity i think katie holmes character here uh is much more interested in being an editor and her, her first task uh, being half naked in Michael Douglas' bed, uh, telling him that his new book kind of sucks. Maybe she's doing her job. Yeah, but you know, she her I guess her criticism went uh, somewhat in agreement that uh, Tobe Maguire's character. There's far more of them, uh, and that's part of the annoyance. Like that, she felt it was somewhat dishonest that he would be the star pupil character as opposed to one of many. Uh, writing very much similar things that would just get on the uh, professor's nerve here, especially a respected published author is played by Michael Douglas. They would be like, God damn it. Another one. Another one. Yeah. It, it's like, I remember in one of my classes, we had to write a paper and it was a, had to be persuasive. And the idea was you could write it about anything. Um, and it was the one rule was back to this again, just don't write a paper about legalizing marijuana. That was it. The, the professor was so clearly sick of reading that paper that that was the only rule. <laughs> so yeah, I would imagine that um, these self-indulgent, self-exploratory, like, uh, yeah, that he would have seen plenty of those. And I, I was thinking in that scene where he's flipping around his little gun, that mm. this is the weird little shit that's gone yeah. too far. Oh, okay. This is this is a weird little shit that I that it's no, I, I can't get behind this one. There, there's no joy in this weird little shit. I and I maybe it's just the casting, maybe it's the writing. I'm not sure, but this is one that I just can't get behind. 
this weird little shit's not my weird little shit. I put our, our Harold and Maude conversation back on this feed, uh, the episode we did on War Machine versus War Horse, because you, uh, you're really pushing this, this Hal Ashby thing. So I'm like, I'm going through our Criterion collection. <laughs> and it's not a very good episode because it's mainly just me being attacked by you and our, our guest, uh, who loved this. And, yeah. uh, I did pause it in that episode. I'm like, look, my thinking is with this kid, uh, like with a lot of things in childhood, um, at a certain point, this isn't going to be fucking cute anymore. So your, your suicide <laughs> attempts, it's just going to be fucking weird and sad at a certain point. Like, and I think that's, <laughs> that's why I'm a wonder boys guy, because I feel like Michael Douglas, maybe at one point he was the weird little shit. And then he, you know, he went on and he published this inspiring book. And now it's like him and his, his pink bathrobe smoking weed on the front porch. And it just, you know, he's lost his car. Um, he's got a gimpy leg. Uh, he was attacked by a yeah. dog. Now he's hiding a dead dog body around. He's, he's fucking his boss's wife. He's got her pregnant. He can't commit to anything. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, Harold and I'm like, yeah, this is where you're going to end up. And you're, you're not going to be able to market yourself, no, buddy. No, no, People no, are going to no. reject Harold. you and your cute face with the glasses, the Harold, poster. Harold was interesting in that I have seen a million Toby Maguire's uh, as the character that he plays in here, James. I've seen this character a bunch of times in, in my life. I've never seen Harold in my life. Good. So that, that's an interesting character. <laughs> <laughs> but like this like guy who's obsessed with old movies. And that always has to be one of these things. If you're this oddball, this tortured mm. soul that you just, you love film noir or something like that. It's just, I, I don't know why those two things are connected other. Yeah. Other than maybe it's this, uh, writer writing about themselves in that way i have no idea so but it, it seems like something they always lean on it reminds me of uh one of the the, the gags from the the office when i think they had an intern played by uh i don't know the actor's name but he was in uh, i think he was in like american horror story for a bit and he was in uh the movie based in my neck of the woods uh i think american animals uh, like about a, a robbery at a college campus here in Lexington. It was like a true crime thing. It was a real. Oh event. yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the the guy that showed up that wasn't the new Jim. He was more of the new Dwight. Yes. That, okay, you intro. got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the the bit is, and during one of his uh, you know, interviews in this this uh, fake documentary of the show, uh, to introduce himself as the new intern, is that he's uh, really into cinema. And his two favorite movies are <laughs> Citizen Kane and the Boondock Saints. <laughs> That's a pretty on point <laughs> attack of a certain young man into cinema. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, I think we're going to get a lot more of that with the uh, Mank coming up. Uh, so, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm, I saw um, poor JD Duran, Vin Session film. And I hate to agree with him because he has terrible opinions on things, but um, he he lamented that we may now get um, hot takes on Citizen Kane, which I don't really like hot take. I like hot takes on Wonder Boys. That's what I like because, <laughs> because they're lukewarm. No one's asking for them is the reason. I want hot takes on something no one's asking for, not what's topical. Um but it got into that conversation of, you know, Citizen Kane overrated or not. And I'm actually have two minds of it. I'm thinking like, well, if you're kind of known as the greatest film of all time, where someone who really likes the boondock saints also has to like 
put in Citizen Kane just to sort of like elevate himself or make himself sound mm-hmm. respectable. Citizen Kane, like Vertigo, which I, I prefer, uh, and I saw when I was younger and I really fucking loved, both those things, those things have to be uh, overrated. The Godfather has to be overrated. You can't say it's underrated I mean, at this all point. Of the, all of the above, though, are really entertaining and rewatchable. None of those are bad movies, so no. it's fine. But you can you can get to the point where it's like, well, uh, you've won all the acclaim. So the only thing mm-hmm. that the only thing that someone could write or say now to get any sort of traction is probably to attack it, and it, it may be disingenuous, but that's kind of uh, that's that's the problem with wearing I, the championship belt there. Well, if putting any of these things in order like that list, best of Oscars, anything like that, where you're taking art and putting, making it into a horse race. I, it just, I think it kind of takes away from something and it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the, the AFI list is kind of a cool list to look at. If you're trying to, you know, educate yourself on film history. So you go through and watch a lot of these, but your own personal reactions are just as valid as anyone else's. So I, I, I don't know. I don't care if something's overrated or underrated or whatever your particular take on it is, um, if you can shed some light on it, that maybe I somehow haven't heard about citizen Kane at this point in time. Awesome. Great. I'd be happy to hear it, but really there's probably not much else to say at this point. I mean, we try here on this show. We try to do. (laughs) We go to the path of least resistance by going to stuff that nobody cares about. Nobody wants to talk about. And even then then we get distracted. Yeah. I'm like, all right, Chris, (laughs) definitive take on swim fan. Let's talk about parenthood for some reason. (laughs) We We didn't go to Dawson's Creek though. And I even thought, should I watch like an episode of Dawson's Creek just to have that in my back pocket? Do I need it? Uh, no. Well, I, I I can't believe we went this far without talking about Larry Sanders' show. Because, mm. you know, yeah. we, we've threatened to do these rewatch mm. podcasts. I think that's the move right there. Because that's just, I would actually enjoy that. That's also, that's not really how we do podcasting, though. First off, we threatened to even release a podcast. That's the first threat. <laughs> and the second one is, like, doing stuff that we enjoy. Uh, it's like we can't get the blood up enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there, there just has to be something where my um, dives into senility cause me to misremember. <laughs> films. That's, the, that's the call of the week. So. I find as I get older that I'm more combative with my own brain about like, well, fuck it. That doesn't deserve to be remembered anyway. Like, who cares? Like, I'm saying Wonder Boys as much as I like it. It's fine if you misremember it as a Kevin Klein joint. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, what I really should have remembered was Frances McDormand because she's just great in everything. So um, she's the opposite of Katie Holmes in that reaction where you said uh, last week everything you see her in, mm-hmm. you have that reaction where it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. She's essentially like a ficus in the background um, where she's, you know, just set dressing and Frances McDormand is kind of the opposite of that, where she elevates anything that she's in and all the scenes that she's in here. I'm yeah. The actual relationship between her and Michael Douglas is the one relationship in the film that I definitely got pulled into. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. I don't feel like we can do more Katie Holmes now. Like you called her a damn ficus. (laughs) That was you. 
I don't think I said the word ficus. I, I find that <laughs> offensive to whatever the fuck her name was in Dawson's Creek. I can't remember. Okay, the, 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 this this week I'm the heel. Okay, got it. I, I'm trying to take some. I'm trying to shoulder it. I'm wondering, why, you know, Dawson, that's the title of the show. Pacey, what was her name? Why don't I remember her name? Joey. Why, Joey. There you go. Um, I don't know what we'll do next. Um, I feel like... I kind of want to watch uh, the man who wasn't there. Have you ever seen, you've seen that one, right? Of course, with Billy Bob Thornton. Well, that's that's Frances McDormand is like the ultimate uh, sex spot. Yeah. That's that's her playing a sex spot. Actually, like uh, is she kind of like that in Raising Arizona too. I feel like she's kind of a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's how I like her. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the Dawson's Creek music. <laughs> I, uh, I used it last week to uh, intro the episode. I dropped, uh, you know, or the projecting film theme, as it were, and I put that in. And there's a YouTube video that has uh, every um, opening title credit sequence from Dawson's Creek throughout the years, because I guess they made them dress in, I don't know, different J. Crew shirts or whatever or pants <laughs> and i'm thinking like sure. was this necessary did you have to go back and be like all right what's our what's our opening credits so, you know which beach locale will we be at today how many <laughs> how many times can they twirl joey around uh between the two of them and even then i like look i'm a fucking almost 40 year old man and i'm watching <laughs> the definitive edition <laughs> Of the Dawson Creek opening. T- and then I find myself, this is how time is wasted. This is why podcasts don't get edited or uploaded. Because then I'm like, which one do I like best? And I'm like, dude, you just thought this was fucking dumb. You're just using it to rip the music. Why are you watching this for 10 minutes? Oh, dear God. Wow. You also said last week that I often can just like shadow box with myself on a podcast. And this is how. Because I, I argue with myself. When I'm just like silently sitting here at the computer, it's depressing. So I need to know though, which was the definitive best opening? Did you come to that point? Probably changes with age. Um, I would say now uh, that I feel far more comfortable when we get to the later seasons when they're you know probably like almost thirty years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right when they graduate high school. Right. I I don't really. I mean, I know they were. I don't think any of the, uh, I mean, poor James Vanderbeek. I think he was probably like 25 when they started filming this thing. But, um, yeah, I, that, that's going to be my safe play. Anytime we're talking about teenage protagonists, the later years, nothing early. Now, Not doing have that. You, is that James Vanderbeek? Is the uh, Todd Salons movie that he was supposed to be in, is that available? Can you see his whole sequence of that movie that he was in? Is that um? Is that from storytelling? I can't remember which. Yeah, because it was supposed because it's just the um, the two stories that are in it now. But it was originally supposed to be three short films, um, and then they ended up completely 
cutting out his entire segment of the movie. And supposedly it was pretty great from what I heard. Um, I don't know though. I, I'm just wondering if that's something that has ever been released. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking at it now. There's a playlist article from 2010 talking about his missing scenes. So I'm guessing, was that just like a, a narrative decision? Because they're saying the film is only 87 minutes long as is. <laughs> so it's not like it was you know running at 210 and they're like, well, we got to lose this sequence. Basically it looks like uh Slons is saying that it was on him. It was just like from a script writing perspective that what's he say? Uh, he has a problem that when I write scripts, I always think, of course, this is genius. Uh, but then when I'm in the editing room, I'm thinking, why did I do this? So <laughs> I appreciate this. This is, you know, just, I don't know if that uh, speaks to Dawson being bad or just, it seems like he's trying to shoulder it, shoulder the blame. So it sounds like it. Um, because if you look at the films that he's made, how off the rails could it have possibly gone? That the guy who made happiness is saying, the guy who made a yeah. dog is looking at that and saying, like, nah, that, that, that was a bridge too far. Or was it just like completely normal? I, I, I don't know. Because it seems like I that between that and the um, rules of attraction, Vanderbeek's uh, film career was cut off short. Yeah, I, I I tend to like Rules of Attraction more than most. Um, I actually like it a lot, but I wouldn't say that uh, Dawson's giving a a uh, natural performance at all. Like you know, he's, he's really out, he's, he, he's outside of his comfort zone, but he's trying. Yeah, look, look that, that's it. Trying. I mean, you you can see the effort, uh, which I think probably would be offensive to some people. Whereas I just appreciate it. It's like it's like why I appreciate Tom Cruise. Like you know, I can see that he's. He's really into it. Whatever ridiculous plot line he's in, Tom Cruise is like totally buying into it. He's he's not winking oh, he, at the camera. You know he gets up early in the morning. Mm -hmm. He is up and he's working. Whatever whatever nonsense he's in, absolutely. And I, I guess there is a, a little bit of work ethic there. And yeah, I he I think he's a perfectly fine actor. So yeah, probably not. It can't be the heavy though. I'm going back over the uh, the salons first, as it were, and uh, I stopped at Happiness. I realize I've not watched anything after Happiness. You haven't seen Storytelling? I have it open nope. also. Dark um, Horse is pretty interesting. I see, I've never even heard of that one. Um, 2011. Nope. I didn't even know what that was. Uh, someone Wiener Dog was kind of a big one, though. Someone warned me off of that, and I can only assume because something bad happens to a dog in it, which I know is weird because I'm uh, speaking. We just what you just you you loved Wonder Boy, so how much? Yeah, and, I don't. So you, you, and I think we watched we did an episode on John Wick. <laughs> yeah, but he, you know, that, what was the Richard Gere movie with the dead dog in that one also? <laughs> you did a trilogy of dead dogs. We, yeah, and it, you know that was that was me confronting, I guess, my fears there, but I. Uh, you know, when you're getting into dark comedy, the Richard Gere one was a, <laughs> a melodrama. It was like the fucking notebook between a man and his dog. <laughs> and John Wick, he kills everyone for killing his dog. So I'm like, I, you know, I get the bloodlust of that. Um, I don't know. I just don't trust Todd's lawns that he's going to handle it with the, the grace that I need a Todd's lawns joint to handle the death of a dog. Just don't see it. I don't know. I, I... You put your faith in Keanu, I'll put mine in salons. 
and I, I think that's okay. Yeah, this is why you're a Harold Mod fan. This is this is it right here. <laughs> well, that was 46 minutes on Wonder Boys, right there. Oh, well, nailed it. In fact, we needed that last 10 minutes because we were way too focused on Wonder Boys for way too long. I did feel so. like we needed curveball material. Like, you know, give the people what they want, which is never what's on the title of the podcast. 